Amen. Let's pray. Father, that's our deepest desire, to know you more. So often we find ourselves in the mire of this world, in the muck of ourselves, in in the rut of spiritual sleep. Wake us, Father. Help us to get up and seek your face. Help us to let go of the, the trappings of this world and to follow hard after you. We want to know you more deeply. Lord, we want to follow and serve you more faithfully. Please visit with us now. As we look into your word, Lord, open our minds and our hearts to receive what you want us to hear. In the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. On June 9th of last year, a young lady named Tiffany O'Brien was heading home by herself from a weekend trip to Quebec City. She was headed to Toronto aboard an Air Canada flight, and the flight to Toronto Pearson International Airport was only about a quarter full, so Tiffany scored an entire row of seats all to herself. I got super comfortable reading my book, she recounts, and I fell asleep less than halfway through the roughly 90-minute trip. Well, when she woke up, her nightmare began. Alone and surrounded by pitch-black darkness, Tiffany says that she initially thought she was dreaming, but reality soon dawned upon her. She was trapped on an empty airplane. O'Brien tried to use her cell phone, but her battery was dead. Unable to find any working outlets because the plane's power had been shut off, Tiffany said she started to freak out. Since I can't charge my phone to call for help, I'm full-on panicking because I want off this nightmare ASAP, she wrote. She made her way to the cockpit where she tried to radio for help, but that didn't work. And then she found a flashlight. Wielding the flashlight, Tiffany started making SOS signals out of the plane's windows, hoping that the light would catch someone's attention. Well, when that didn't seem to work, she turned her efforts to the main cabin door, determined to unlock the door and save herself. Well, when she finally got the door open, O'Brien said she could see the lights of the airport in the distance, and she realized that the plane had been parked overnight far from the terminal. Facing what she thought was a 40 or 50 foot drop between her and the tarmac, O'Brien wrote that she desperately searched for a rope and considered using the flight attendant's seat belts, but found that they were too short. So instead she resorted to hanging out the door, reflecting the flashlight off the side of the plane, in desperation. Well, thankfully, Tiffany O'Brien was spotted and was rescued by a maintenance worker driving a luggage cart. And once she got to the terminal, a representative from Air Canada couldn't believe that she had slept through the entire passenger offboarding and was missed by the plane's staff. Tiffany wrote that she continues to be affected by her experience and now struggles to sleep, often waking up anxious and afraid that she's alone and trapped someplace dark. It's understandable. A lot happened while she was sleeping, didn't it? And she missed it all. Well, Tiffany isn't the first victim of falling asleep at inopportune times. That's been the culprit for countless disasters throughout history. It's a common term. It's a common pop culture term in our society today, right? Sleeper team. Don't sleep on that sports team. They might surprise you. In terrorism, we have what? Sleeper cells. It's a group of people or sleepers who are 
inconspicuously dormant in, in a community, hidden away until they're activated by some prearranged signal. And they go on to perform acts of espionage, sabotage, and terrorism, a sleeper cell. Well, sleep is a, is a good thing. Sleep is a gift. Sleep heals the body and revives the mind. But spiritual sleep is quite the opposite, isn't it? See, a lot of unintended things can happen while we're spiritually asleep. The Bible has many examples of such unintended consequences to remind us that falling asleep spiritually can lead to tragic results. Jesus warned in Luke 21, 34-36, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Stay awake. Falling asleep spiritually without intending to, though, it can happen, and it can happen quite easily, can't it? It's especially common during this time of of quarantine and shelter in place, right? We're out of our, our element. We're out of our routine. We're away from church. We're away from fellowship with other believers. We get tired. We get lax. We begin to grow colder. We skip our time with the Lord. Our prayers seem empty. Our, our minds wander. And our thirst for the things of the Lord is no longer as strong. And before you know it, our fire, our light, which once burned bright, is but a flicker. We're spiritually asleep. And a lot of bad things can happen while we're spiritually sleeping. Today we're going to look at three things that we can lose in our spiritual slumber. Turn with me to our first text this morning. Matthew chapter 13. Here Jesus is teaching his disciples via a series of parables. And in verse 24 he tells them the parable of the weeds. Matthew thirteen twenty-four to 26. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. That's the title of today's sermon, While Men Slept. And our first point While we're spiritually asleep, we lose our guard. Here the sower had a lot invested in his field, didn't he? The field was prepared, the field was worked, the seed was purchased and planted. It was a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of labor. And instead of guarding the field after such a a, a big investment, the sower slept. And what happened? His enemy came and sowed tares. Tares are, it's a grain that looks like wheat while it's growing, but when fully grown and ripe and has ears which are long, the grains become black and poisonous. And it's tragic because his beautiful crop, which cost him so much and in which he invested so much, is decimated. That's the enemy. That's what he does. The enemy is always on the prowl, just waiting for an opportunity to destroy. First Peter 5.8 warns us, Be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What does he look for? What a crack in the armor, a weak link in the chain. He looks for a moment of letdown. When your mind is weakened and your guard is down, And what does he do? He jumps and seizes the opportunity. And he's so crafty. He sows a wrong thought. He brings a wrong friend or someone we think is a friend. He introduces a, an addictive diversion. And before you know it, we've given our heart over to something evil, something we never intended to. We didn't mean to. We, we would never have allowed it when our guard was up and when our mind was strong and we were on the alert. But in our slumber, when our guard is down, we're vulnerable, we're weak, and we have a very crafty enemy. We should never underestimate him. It can lead to tragic results. It was a stifling hot morning that August in Hiroshima, Japan. In 1945, citizens feared a a pending airstrike from the Allied forces of World War II. Many people were evacuating belongings from their homes and making preparation for their safety. Hiroshima was one of the largest cities in Japan that had not yet been hit, and most people expected a raid any day. When the air raid sirens sounded the morning of August 6, 1945, the city thought the attack had begun. But a few minutes later, the all-clear was sounded. Japanese radar operators, seeing only three American planes, decided that this was not a serious attack. A few moments later, the first atomic bomb used in war was dropped on the city, killing tens of thousands of people instantly. They believed that they were safe from attack, not realizing the nature of what was about to happen. Often Christians make the fatal mistake of underestimating our enemy. He's vicious and determined, and if we let our guard down, he will strike. The Bible warns us not to forsake wisdom. It's not enough to merely know and follow the principles that our living God lays out for us in his word. We must continue to live them out, to be kept safe. See, we we know a lot. It's not enough. We know God's principles. It's not enough. We have lived God's principles. It's not enough. We must continue to live and live out his principles every day. We can't rest on our laurels. We're not immune to a letdown, and, and we're not immune to spiritual sleep, which gives the enemy an opportunity to infiltrate. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him an in. Jesus said, watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. Paul said to Timothy, watch your life and your doctrine. And he said to the Ephesian elders, watch yourselves and the flock over which God has made you overseers. How can we sum up these instructions? Be vigilant. Be awake. Be on the alert. Live life actively and intentionally. Don't sit back and wait till something bad happens before you react. God wants us to be proactive in our spiritual walk. Are you living as a reactive Christian or a proactive Christian? Police officers understand the difference between reactive and proactive. Fire personnel respond reactively to calls for service, right? When a fire occurs, the fire trucks roll to the location of the fire. When an injury occurs, paramedics respond to the location of the injury. Fire and paramedic personnel react and respond when needed. And in between those calls for service, they stay alert, they stay ready. 
but they're largely a reactive organization. Well, police officers also react to calls for service. When a robbery or burglary or assault takes place, they're called to respond to the scene of the crime. But police personnel are expected to do much more than simply react to crimes that occur in the city. They are expected to patrol the city in an effort to stop crimes before they occur. When they're not responding to a crime in progress, they're proactive. They're patrolling the city to keep it safe from those who intend to commit crimes. They're called to be more than reactive. They're called to be proactive. We must live our spiritual lives in the same manner. Be proactive to eliminate things from our lives that may lead us into sin. Be proactive to end relationships that we know are only harmful to us. Be proactive to stay on top of what our children are doing, are reading, are watching. Don't wait until something bad happens and then scramble to react. Be alert, be vigilant, and be proactive. See, friend, there's, there's just too much at stake for us to fall into spiritual sleep and let our guard down. Stay awake. Keep your guard up and live proactively. When your guard is down, trouble comes knocking. And that's our first point. Spiritual sleep can cause you to lose your guard. What's our second point? Spiritual sleep can cause you to lose your gifts. Let's take a look at the life of Samson, a man endowed by God with incredible gifts of strength, power, and leadership. He was blessed by God with talents unlike any around him, and he made the most of those talents. He fought for Israel against the Philistines, and his feats were legendary. He was a one-man wrecking crew, but he had a soft spot for bad women. He fell in love with Delilah, who was used by the Philistines to press him for the secret to his strength. And he toyed with her for a while until he finally gave in. And we read in Judges 16, 15 to 21. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more, he has told me everything. And so the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. They paid her off. And after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. What a scary place to be. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They sent him to grinding grain in the prison. While Samson slept, his strength was cut off. While he slept, a diabolical plan was being executed, which eventually led to his death. It's a cautionary tale. While Samson slept, he lost his gifts. It happens, doesn't it? God has endowed each one of us 
with a number of gifts. What has God gifted you with? Talent? Resources? Family? Children? All of these are gifts from God. And we must be awake and vigilant to protect our gifts. What happens when we're spiritually asleep? Our talents surely aren't being used for God. If so, it's a a very half-hearted effort at best. We're certainly not being a benefit to our families and our children. We're not leading them in the right way. We can't when we're spiritually asleep and we're not on alert. If we offer words of, of spiritual advice, we're viewed as hypocrites at best. And what happens? Slowly, little by little, our talents go by the wayside. Our gifts go by the wayside. God doesn't want or need half-hearted efforts. Our resources slip through our fingers like sand. Our families and our children begin to slip away. Much is lost when we're spiritually asleep. Remember the parable Jesus told of the man going on a journey who left his three servants bags of gold before he went away. And two of the servants invested and multiplied what he left them But the last servant buried his bag of gold. When the master returned, he rewarded the two who utilized what he gave them, and he scolded harshly the last servant. He told him he should have utilized what was given to him. He was so angry and disappointed that he took away what he had given him, and he fired him from his employment. Why such a harsh response? Whatever God has gifted you with, he expects you to use for his kingdom. If you waste it, if you squander it, if you ignore it, you're not only disrespecting your gifts, you're disrespecting the one who gifted them. Samson lost everything God had gifted him, and he ended up losing his life in the process. It's a stark warning to us not to fall into spiritual sleep. There are too many things at stake. Realize what can be lost before it's too late, friend. Wake up. And live the life God intended you to live. Use the gifts he intended you to utilize. Serve him. Live out your faith with passion. A fantastic and inspirational speaker, Tony Campolo. He says, we need passion in our faith. Instead of praying, if if I should die before I wake, we should pray, Lord, wake me up before I die. Let that be a wake-up call for us. Wake us up, Lord, before it's too late. We don't want to lose what you've blessed us with. We want to serve you with all the talent resources with which you've gifted us. And we want to protect our families and our children and help them to flourish. Stay awake. Lest we lose our guard, number one. Lest we lose our gifts, number two. And our third point today, we can lose our opportunities. Let's turn our attention to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hours away from his arrest his trial, his torture and crucifixion. We read in Matthew 26, 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples 
and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, then may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Jesus takes his his selected three disciples with him to pray. And it's another defining moment in his life because the hour is approaching when the soldiers will come to arrest him. And three times he finds those disciples asleep. And while men slept, the enemy was marching, marching toward our Savior. Those disciples missed the opportunity to aid him, to cover him, or or at the least to comfort him during his greatest time of agony. When we're spiritually asleep, friend, we can miss the greatest opportunities. God is looking for willing servants. If we're not in the right mindset, if our hearts are not in tune with what God is trying to do, if we're spiritually asleep at the wheel, God can't use us. As much as he may want to, as right as we may be for the opportunity, we will miss the call and miss the chance, and God will find another method, another avenue, and another more prepared, more vigilant servant to use. The loss is ours. The opportunity never waits on you to be ready to grab it. It's passing by, and if you're asleep, it will continue to pass by and pass you by. You can't rewind time. You can't reclaim that opportunity. Once it's gone, the loss is yours. And what are you left with? Regrets. Why wasn't I more aware? Why why didn't I pay more attention? Why wasn't I more willing? Why wasn't I more present? I ran across the, the story of a man who had a great opportunity that he missed. And his friend took him for a ride one day, way out in the country, They drove off the main road and they drove through groves of trees to a large uninhabited land expanse, huge piece of land. A few horses were grazing and a couple of old shacks remained. The friend Walter stopped the car and got out, started to describe with great vividness the wonderful things he was going to build. He wanted his friend Arthur to buy some of the land surrounding his project to get in on the ground floor. But Arthur thought to himself, who in the world is going to drive 25 miles for this crazy project? The logistics of the venture are staggering. And so Walter explained to his friend Arthur, I can handle the main project myself, but it will take all my money. But the land bordering it, where we're standing now, will in just a couple of years be jammed with hotels and restaurants and convention halls to accommodate the people who will come to spend their entire vacation here at my park. He continued, I want you to have the first chance at this surrounding acreage because in the next five years it will increase in value several hundred times. What could I say? I knew he was wrong, Arthur tells the story. I knew that he had let his dream get the best of his common sense. 
So I mumbled something about a tight money situation and promised that I would look into the whole thing a little later on. Later on will be too late, Walter cautioned Arthur as they walked back to the car. You'd better move on it right now. And so Art Linkletter turned down the opportunity to buy up all the land that surrounded what was to become Disneyland. His friend Walter, Walt Disney, tried to talk him into it, but Art thought he was just crazy. Missed opportunities. Those opportunities will be lost to us while we're spiritually sleeping. God is looking for a few good men and women to work for his kingdom. He's looking for willing, available hands to carry out his work. Friend, it has nothing to do with qualifications or or background. It has to do with your availability. Are you awake? Are you spiritually in the right place for God to use you? He needs you, and he needs me to make a difference in our world. Answer the call. Be alert. Be vigilant. Wake up and, and don't lose the opportunity he meant for you to have. In our spiritual sleep, we can lose our guard, we can lose our gifts, and we can lose our opportunities. Don't let it happen, friend. Have you ever been watching something on television and caught yourself dozing off? How does it happen? You don't go from wide awake to dead sleep in an instant, right? You get comfortable, you get drowsy, you get lulled. You close your eyes for just a second and you're still aware of what's going on. Then a little at a time, you're less aware and less aware until you're fast asleep. It's a process. It happens slowly and subtly. And it's the same thing that happens with spiritual sleep. We're slowly lulled into being comfortable with the things of this world. We give in a little here and a little there. We get soft on principles for which we used to stand hard. We start watching things we we wouldn't used to watch before. We start listening to things we would have rejected before. We start listening and entertaining ideas and, and claims and criticisms from questionable sources. Things we would never have entertained in the past. And little by little, the world creeps in to our minds and into our homes and into our minds and into our hearts. And the danger of spiritual sleep sets in. Be aware of the devil's tactics, friend. Reject the infiltration of this world into your life. Stand firm. Be alert. Stay awake. There's too much we've gained to lose. There's too much at stake to let go. There's too little time left to squander and waste it on things that don't matter. Romans 13, 11-12 reminds us. And do this... Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Time is drawing to a close, friend. If you don't believe that, you're not carefully watching the events of the world around us. Let us spend the time that God has blessed us with living how he wants us to live. Let us be found sharing the good news of the gospel and living it out, living out its principles every day in our lives. When he calls you home, how will he find you? 
will he find you vigilant, on the alert, and living sold out for Christ? Or will he find someone spiritually sleeping, having lost their guard, wasted their gifts, and missed their opportunities? Let us wake up, dear friend. Let us draw closer to him. Let us be found living right, doing right, and seeking his face and his soon return. There will be no greater reward in life than to enter heaven's gates and hear him say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we've, we've read and heard the cautionary tales and the dangers of spiritual slumber today. We want to be alert. We want to be vigilant. We want to serve you with all of our talents, our hearts, our resources, and our energy. Wake us, Father. Give us strength to shun the trappings of this world, to turn away from the emptiness and the uselessness of its attractions, and to turn our focus solely on you. We want to keep our guard up to protect our minds and our hearts. We want to be alert to protect all of the gifts with which you've blessed us. And we want to be ready for any calling, any opportunity that you send our way. Thank you. Thank you for visiting with us today, Father. We give you all of our thanks and our gratitude. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.